This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna Welcome to let This Little Light of Mine The podcast where we explore what happens when you teach a child that they are not allowed to love Here's your host, James Powell Let it shine Hello and welcome to episode 29 of This Little Light of Mine. My name is James Powell and I'm glad that you're able to join me for the final episode of season one. I can't believe it's been already over a year since I first embarked on this soul-searching journey of healing, forgiveness, and recovery. I could never have predicted the lessons that I've learned, the connections that I've made, and the love that I've received over the past year. I want to send out some extra love and encouragement to a few incredible people who have helped me on my journey over the past couple of weeks. Michael, thank you for reaching out, for your vulnerability, and for your desire to make our world a more loving place for you, your entire family, and for all those you care for. Rudy, I'm blown away by your courage and growth. You are so loved, and I'm inspired to see you reaching for what you need and for what you deserve. Nadia, I appreciate you and all that you do. Despite all that you have going on right now, thank you for your love, your help, and your encouragement. Muku, thank you for your love and your friendship. I appreciate your little check-ins, especially during some of my harder days. And finally, Wellspring Worship Center. Pastor James and everyone at Wellspring, thank you for the opportunity to come and share a conversation with your church. I'm so encouraged by how you are all giving space to being uncomfortable as you create a place for all God's children to be loved. Now in today's final story episode for season one, I walk you through the final years of my life leading up to my eventual breakdown and surrender. In today's episode, I'll be talking about suicidal ideation. And as always, I encourage all listeners to be gentle with themselves, listen to your own bodies, and proceed with loving intent, knowing that it's okay to stop and take breaks. For some, you may need to skip today's episode and that's okay. It'll be here when you're ready. If you're a survivor of religious trauma, sexual abuse or assault, or you're a person facing mental health issues related to today's conversation, I strongly encourage you to be extremely gentle with yourself and to reach out to a mental health professional that specializes in trauma. There's no shame in asking for the help that you deserve. And with that trigger warning, here's season one's final story episode called Man Erased. From some perspectives, my life peaked 10 years ago and has been on a downward spiral ever since. But on the outside, I've been working overtime to provide the illusion that I'd created that ideal gay Christian life that I'd dreamed about as a young boy. But that's what it was, an illusion. I was transitioning out of my career in advertising and was building a successful coaching and consulting practice. My long-term partner Peter and I were helping to start a queer home church at one of Toronto's megachurches called The Meeting House. We were also in the production planning stage to buy and renovate our dream home with the television series Property Brothers. On top of all that, We are finishing up a city-funded course at our local LGBTQ2S Plus community centre called Daddies and Papas-to-Be, 
that helped gay men on the journey to building their own families. I'd created the life that I always wanted. But you know the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover? And maybe the more appropriate phase, don't judge a life by one's Facebook or Instagram posts? Well, that was me. I had everything that I was supposed to want, and yet nothing felt right. I couldn't see it back then, but looking back now, I was playing one of my greatest roles. I had done it. I could be gay. I could be in a committed relationship, go to church, have a career I loved, design a home with my partner, and start the journey to becoming parents. I had proven to everyone that I could have it all. But what I couldn't admit back then was that my life was a house of cards that I'd built on sinking sand. You see, during my long-term relationship with Peter, I'd fallen in love with one of my best friends, Jason. Jason was nothing like any of the other guys I'd spent time with before. He was younger, creative, funny, wild, driven, and he also had a boyfriend, who happened to be one of Peter's best friends. The four of us did everything together, and over the years, Jason and I became inseparable. We worked out together, we'd go on hiking adventures, day trips, bike rides, and we even volunteered together at an HIV-AIDS hospice on the weekends. There was something about Jason where, for the first time, I felt free just to be me. With Jason, I could finally let my guard down, talk about my fears, my insecurities, my hopes, and my dreams. With Jason, I felt seen, safe, and protected. And eventually, after a couple of years, we crossed the line and we became more than just friends. Everything came to a head, and my relationship with Peter came to a smashing end on the night before we started filming with Property Brothers. The contracts were signed, the cameras were showing up the next morning, and we were forced to play our parts. And several weeks after our big reveal house party, I moved out of that dream home. My relationship with Peter was over. I take full responsibility for my deceit, betrayal, and the pain that I caused Peter. And I know that I should have been devastated about losing the life and the relationship that we'd built together. But the gut-wrenching loss that I was feeling was losing my friendship and relationship with Jason. Instead of feeling that pain, I pulled out a very familiar script and started to play the role of confident James. I couldn't afford to let anyone see how broken I was inside. So it was time for a reinvention. It was time to show everyone how strong I really was. Wearing a scarlet letter from my failed relationship with Peter, I was very thankful for a kind and generous friend who allowed me to live with him until I could move back into my own place. I was deeply hurting, but instead of consciously being with that pain, I unconsciously created a three-point plan to avoid all pain and all feeling altogether. Number one, get in the best shape of my life, lose the relationship weight and put on lots of muscle. Step number two, get a new boyfriend. Step number three, transition back into corporate marketing and advertising work. And over the next half year, I was able to accomplish all three. There's nothing like a breakup to encourage a full body transformation. Boot camp at 6 a.m. three days a week introduced me to the Real Housewives of West Toronto. And gym at 6 p.m. introduced me to a bevy of potential boyfriends. 
After a few weeks, I met Hunter and his Abercrombie abs at the gym, and I was pulled in hook, line, and sinker. He was 11 years younger than me, pretended to be straight, and he was a total flirt. I was obsessed with him for months before realizing how much I'd been played by him. I guess karma is a hunter. Around the same time, I remember a phone call with my brother, who was fairly new in his pastoring role at the church we grew up in. I shared some of the pain of my breakup with Peter, but didn't dare share any of why we actually broke up. I didn't want to deal with any of the religious judgment that I assumed would have been shared my way. My brother, in his kind and thoughtful way, asked me one of those questions that just punches you in the gut. Jim, do you ever wonder why these things keep happening to you? I paused and I said, what things are you talking about? Well, you're always searching for something outside of you to make you happy and to make you whole. You're trying to control your own life. I didn't like where this conversation was going, but there was a part of me that knew he was right. I was desperately trying to control things. And my brother continued and said, Jim, I'm not sure if you've ever fully submitted yourself to Jesus. You keep trying to define yourself by the world. You keep trying to define yourself by your sexuality, your job, your friends. You don't have to hold on to it so tightly. That's not who you are. And as I listened to my brother's words, the deeply wounded part of me started to take over. He's right. Maybe I am broken. Maybe I never did fully submit to Jesus. And as those thoughts went through my head, my brother asked, would you be willing to let me pray with you? And on the phone in my bedroom, I was transported back to being a 14-year-old version of myself. I knelt down at the end of my bed, closed my eyes, and prayed along with my brother. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you've provided in my life. I come to you right now tired from forcing my way forward. Jesus, make me your slave. I submit my entire life to you so that you may use it for your glory. I give all of myself over to you now. I cringed hearing that word, slave. Part of me screamed, this isn't God's intention for you. But those feelings were quickly pushed aside, desperate to feel less broken. The toxic shame and twisted beliefs of my sexual brokenness that had been planted inside me as a young child were still very much alive, even into my late 30s. And as I hung up from that call, I had renewed hope. I believed that the invisible noose that had been tightening around my neck might finally be removed. But in the years that followed, that hope dwindled as the noose got even tighter. My transition back to working full-time client-side came with some very unexpected learning. I had decided to look for not-for-profit marketing roles, which I hoped would give me a little more work-life balance than I had experienced working in advertising agencies. But I was surprised that actually having balance created even more anxiety for me. 
I was used to working in competitive, performance-based cultures, where colleagues hustled and took pride in collaborating to build and launch new initiatives. Instead of being challenged to raise the bar, I felt pressured to throttle back performance, pressured from long-tenured employees clinging to the way we work around here. Feeling handcuffed from performing became a new trigger, and the pride in my work that I had grown accustomed to started to turn towards shame. The more I tried to fit in, the more I swallowed my voice. And the more I swallowed my voice, the more of myself I erased. Eventually, my addiction to workplace validation transformed into overwhelming workplace anxiety. Outwardly, I would attempt to portray an image of casual ease, confidence, and control. But inside, inside I was crumbling. I was a nervous wreck. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop thinking about how to fix things at work. And I would dry heave each morning before heading out to work. One day, in one of the many meetings, things took a turn for the worse. I was alone and was being screamed at by a leader known for their bullying. They were irate that someone dare ask a question instead of blindly following orders. And as I sat there taking their venom, something different happened. My heart started to race. My body temperature went through the roof and I just froze. I tried to respond, but my mouth wouldn't cooperate. I felt like I was going completely out of my mind, but all I could do was sit there. I tried to maintain my composure by writing down their words, and I just had to wait for that meeting to end. These events started to happen with increased frequency, and I was embarrassed and ashamed. This doesn't happen to me. I shared these incidents with some of my senior leaders at work, but I always felt brushed off, unheard, and got the distinct impression that male issues of workplace mental health, bullying, and abuse of power aren't things that we're willing to address in our society just yet. I asked for help. I received none. Because men are supposed to be the strong ones, the ones with all the privilege and power. The lesson that was forced on me was that it wasn't my time to speak. It was my time to listen. And so I swallowed more of my voice and even more of me was erased. To offset the workplace anxiety, my feelings of brokenness and loneliness, I shifted my focus to body and boys. At least at the end of the day, I always had something to look forward to. And these became my outlets to numb and escape. Neither of these outlets were pursued in any kind of healthy or relational way. Both were my last-ditch effort to bring some semblance of control and validation into my life. If I couldn't win at work, maybe I could win here. And I pursued both with a vengeance. What started off as a playful way to escape eventually spiraled into a dangerous and painful hypersexualized trap. Part of me knew I needed to pull back, and yet another part of me wanted more. The deeper I went, the more I got hurt. Yet, the more I got hurt, the more I needed. Feelings of loneliness and brokenness became all-consuming. I didn't fit in or belong in the dogmatic world of my family or the man-made doctrinal views of my evangelical Christianity. 
but I also didn't fit in or belong in the hypersexualized world that defined the stereotypes of my sexual orientation. Sure, I could put on a mask and I could act like I fit in both of those worlds, but I never felt like I belonged. Neither were right for me. I'd traveled to both ends of the spectrum, and I didn't find a space for me at either. I had no home. With this loneliness, I started to visualize my life folding into itself, and there were times where I thought it would be easier to simply disappear. One afternoon while walking home, I crossed a bridge over a freeway, and a voice deep inside of me urged me towards the edge. Just take a look, it said. A few nights later, that voice came back while at home and whispered, go out and touch the ledge of your balcony. Those thoughts rocked me to my core. As I lay in bed one night, I pulled out my iPhone, opened the notes app, and started to type out some of my most honest and unfiltered thoughts that I'd ever put into writing. I'm living on the outside, drifting through a life that is not mine. But inside I'm dying, a slow asphyxiation, a folding into myself until I'm finally erased. This was followed up by a list of 30 brutally honest things that I was feeling, experiencing, and doing to keep the pain at bay. And at the end of that list I wrote, I can see how my entire life has been about acting and pleasing, and I'm exhausted but terrified to ask for help. But I'm more terrified of what will happen if I don't learn how to love and accept myself. And after a lifetime of acting and pretending like everything was okay, I collapsed and cried myself to sleep. The years of internalizing the lies I had learned as a child, holding on to an unbearable load of shame, guilt, and fear, and having an inner war with who I knew I was created to be and who I was told that I had to be. I couldn't keep up. I couldn't act anymore. I wanted an out. I needed an out. This was my bottom. Sobbing in bed that night, exhausted, terrified, and powerless, I prayed a simple prayer. Lord, help me now. And this time I knew I had nothing left in myself to give. I couldn't run any longer. I had to surrender. A few days later, I read the list to my best friend, and with tears in his eyes, he admitted how much the list had scared him. Having him mirror back and acknowledge my own pain helped give me the strength to share that same unfiltered list with my doctor. As I sat in my doctor's office, I started to shake and cry as I let everything out. My doctor listened patiently, and when I was finished, he looked, and he responded in a way that blew my mind. Do you think you're the first man who's come into my office to share these feelings? In fact, you're not even the first gay man today. You're not broken. Now what can I do to help you feel safe and supported? He was right. I wasn't broken, but I did need help. And by finding the courage to ask for the help that I desperately needed, 
I found my voice. In that examination room, I was seen, and I was saved as I took a new step forward, remembering who I was created to be. And this is where my recovery began. That downward spiral led me to this moment, and by hitting bottom and breaking open, I created a crack. And that crack created a space from which my little light could shine. Well, that's it. My final episode of season one. Thank you all for sticking with me during this episode. Sharing some of these more recent memories has been quite difficult for me. The procrastination around finishing this episode was big time. At first, I didn't think I had the right to share some of what I shared in today's episode. Part of me, that inner voice, it shouted back, Come on, James. Cry me another river of your privileged tears. Suck it up. Things could be way worse, but like so many survivors of all kinds of trauma, we don't speak up because we feel our abuse isn't important or doesn't count. But here's the thing. Trauma is weird, and it impacts every single person individually. Another thing, trauma isn't like an apple pie. You speaking up and sharing your truth doesn't steal a piece of the trauma pie from someone else. Your journey towards recovery, self-worth, and self-love, it's not a competition. I'm allowed to use my voice and to share what is true for me, and so are you. We all are. Another reason survivors hold back, because they're afraid to use their voice if sharing their truth might make someone else angry or uncomfortable. I definitely fall into that category. Does anyone else have an addiction to pleasing? What I can now see is true, though, is that I pleased or swallowed my voice because I didn't think I would be able to live with my own feelings of discomfort if someone else was angry or uncomfortable with my truth. For the most part, it had nothing to do with the other person's feelings. My fear was in my ability to be with my own emotions. This dis-ease in being able to remain present with my own feelings is what drove me to find any number of ways to numb, escape, or avoid myself. And my inability to remain present with my own feelings stems back to the belief that who I am is sinful, unworthy, and unlovable. And as I sat in that doctor's examination room, I took a powerful first step towards releasing these toxic beliefs. What I started to realize? I am loved unconditionally by God who made me exactly as I am. Me, my heart, my mind, my body, my spirit, my gender expression, my sexuality, and the way I love are created perfectly in God's image. I'm created on purpose and my purpose is to fully love myself, connect deeply with others, and to share my love with the rest of the world. Because I am worthy. I am loved. And so are you. This little light of mine. Thank you again for being part of This Little Light of Mine and for helping me to bring more love into our world. This Little Light of Mine will return in late summer 2021 with new episodes that stand up for love and prioritize mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health in your life and in the lives of all people. If you've enjoyed season one of This Little Light of Mine, 
or think that some episodes may help bring more hope, understanding, or love to someone in your life, I'd love your help sharing these episodes. Would you go to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and don't forget to subscribe yourself so you don't miss a single episode of Season 2. I'd also love to keep in touch over the summer. You can follow me on Instagram at the underscore James Powell. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, you are wanted. You are worth fighting for. You are needed, and you are loved. Thanks for listening to This Little Light of Mine. To learn more about our guests today and for links from our show, visit www.thislittlelightofmine.ca. If you enjoyed this episode or feel that it could bring love and acceptance into someone else's life, please like, rate, review, and share so that we can build our community and bring more love into the world for all people. Thank you for sharing your time and listening to our stories today. And we would love to hear your story too. Visit the Get Involved section of thislittlelightofmine.ca to share your voice. We love being in community with you and look forward to sharing more with you next time. Now go and let your light shine bright because you are loved. I'm gonna let it shine.